WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City. From WNYC, I'm Janae Pierre. The U.S. Postal Service is honoring New York's first Black woman senator and legendary attorney, Constance Baker Motley, as part of their Black Heritage Stamp Series. The Columbia Law School graduate was also the first Black woman to argue a case before the U.S. Supreme Court and the first to serve as Manhattan Borough President. During her more than 20 years with the NAACP, Motley represented Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. after he was arrested for marching in Birmingham, Alabama in 1963. Motley worked in law and public service for more than 50 years. She died in 2005 in Manhattan at age 84. The U.S. Postal Service says the new stamps hold the same value as first-class mail stamps. A New Jersey company that makes equipment for nuclear power plants has agreed to pay a $5 million fine over what state officials say was a fraudulent tax break. WNYC's Nancy Solomon has the details. The state attorney general says Holtec and another closely related company lied when they claimed to both be involved in an investment that entitled them to a combined $1 million tax break. Now, neither company will get those awards. But Holtec is still benefiting from a much larger $260 million tax break awarded in 2014, the second largest in New Jersey history. Holtec is one of 13 Camden companies connected to power broker George Norcross that got generous tax breaks under Chris Christie. Norcross, who sits on Holtec's board, worked with Christie to develop the tax break program. Stay close. After the break, we'll discuss New York's Rape is Rape Act, a new law that expands the definition of the crime. This week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, a young writer attaches himself to a rising star in politics named Barack Obama. Interesting guy. Speaks in what sound like paragraphs. Very good posture, that guy. Enviable posture. <laughs> I am a writer, and I have this, this very slight hunch. He has none of that. A political coming-of-age story from staff writer Vincent Cunningham, plus actor and director Bradley Cooper, all on the New Yorker Radio Hour from WNYC Studios. Listen wherever you get your podcast. But why a new state law in New York will make it easier for prosecutors to prove rape charges in court by expanding the legal definition. This week, Governor Kathy Hochul signed into law the Rape is Rape Act. It's about calling out violent, horrific acts for what they are so survivors can reclaim their power and dignity. For one woman who survived an attack in 2011, this is a moment that has been a long time coming. A warning, this story includes detailed language about sex crimes. 
Lydia Cuomo was 25 years old and on her way to her first day at work at an elementary school in the Bronx in 2011 when an off-duty NYPD police officer attacked her. Her fight to get what happened to her called rape under New York state law set in motion a 13-year battle to redefine the term. WNYC's Michael Hill talked with Lydia Cuomo and Assemblymember Catalina Cruz about the new law and its importance to survivors statewide. Lydia, this must feel like the culmination of such a very long effort for you. Why did this become such an important issue for you? It feels a little surreal at this moment, recognizing that it has taken so long for us to get here. For me, going through the trial back when I was 25 and having this language repeatedly in my face over and over that was and was not rape was really, really difficult. And especially in terms of my own healing as a survivor, um, not having those acts recognized for what they were in the eyes of the law was really, really challenging. And I think when the bill was first introduced, it just seemed like, oh, this makes so much sense. And, you know, back then when I was 25, it was obviously very personal for me and really just about, you know, I think it felt, you know, this is what I need. And, the longer I was on that road, the more it just became so clear for other survivors um, and that that language is just so archaic and so limiting for so many people in this world who may experience rape, you know, based on so many different things. And I think the longer I was on the journey, the the more it became really, really important to me. Former Assemblymember Aravella Simotis introduced the Rape is Rape Act in 2012, inspired by Lydia's fight to change the definition. Assemblymember Cruz, you picked up the fight after Simotis left the Assembly in 2020 and pushed it over the finish line. Why was it such a long process to get this into law? When Aravella Simotis introduced this bill, the unfortunate reality is that I don't think our political playing fields, for lack of a better word, had the will to get it done through and throughout. What what happens is for a bill to become a law, you have to pass it from the Assembly, then the Senate, and then the governor has to sign it. And, you know, politics got involved. But then also archaic views on who should be considered a rape victim and who should be considered a rapist also played in a part into this for a very long time. One of our biggest detractors was the District Attorney's Association, and I'm proud to say that now they actually support the bill. And it took a while for them to truly understand that the language was not uh, going to deter how these survivors could get justice. And frankly, their leadership changed. The uh, the District Attorney's Association had different leadership back when Aravella was the sponsor. And, and, and a lot of things came together. We made some slight amendments to provide even you know more clarity in the language as to who could be charged and when they could be charged and that it was not retroactive. And it provided everyone the tools that we felt are needed to get people justice. Some people who had supported the idea in theory worried it could prevent consecutive sentencing if there were multiple violations during the course of a single attack, that they would all be defined as a single rape and therefore treated less severely. There were also concerns that a jury might be less likely to convict on a rape charge than a charge of sexual assault. Representative Cruz, how were you able to address those concerns? You know, it was one of the arguments that would come up constantly on debate over the last 11 years. And we would always address it with what's clear. If you have a district attorney that pleads the case exactly how they're supposed to, as separate charges, as separate incidents, 
Um, and frankly, because the, we already had case law that supported our view in saying that that their notion that we couldn't get separate convictions for separate acts and separate sentencing and that it would in fact get somehow muddled in the mind of the jury was wrong. And I gave our juries and, and New Yorkers who would be on them a lot more credit than to think that if we presented them with the facts the way that they happened, pled the case the way that the court requires to plead them, that we would get the convictions that survivors deserved. Lydia, would you tell us how this struggle has affected you in the 13 years since the attack? In the beginning, I was 25, uh, which is a lot different than, than where I am now in life. And I think I hadn't fully processed what this was going to look like long term for me at that point in my life. And I think the further away from it I get, the the more clarity I'm able to have, although I do think it's something um I will never fully have full closure on, but I do think there are definitely times when this felt really like a pill battle that was not going to get done. Um, and I think it can just be incredibly disheartening to be like, this thing seems so clear cut. And yet I'm having these conversations with people saying like, do you really think oral is that bad? And um, it really dulls your flame a little bit at some point and makes you feel like, I'm not sure I can keep going. Um, I am very fortunate to have had such an amazing support system. You know, and when Catalina came on, knowing like we're going to to get this across the finish line, you know, definitely profoundly impacted in ways I don't think you can quickly describe. And I think that's it's different for every survivor. Now and again, it feels a little so that we're finally here and over it. Tell us what you think now that the law has been changed, finally. I'm thrilled. I think this means so much for so many people, um, for people who now don't, not just women can be tried. I think there's a, a lot of reasoning. This is great. And I'm really excited. I'd love to see it pass on in other states and continue to have this impact it does for survivors as we're able to change this language. That's Lydia Cuomo and Assemblymember Catalina Cruz talking with WNYC's Michael Hill. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day. I'm Janae Pierre. We'll be back tomorrow.